I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the most haunted city on earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And I'm JT Timmons. And today we are going to be talking about the top five incidents where Ouija boards went wrong. Boom, 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 boom. When Ouija boards go bad. Yeah, well, then it's very, mm-hmm. very likely. <laughs> I would say it's a 75% chance that you're probably going to have a weird experience. Yeah. Um, JT did reveal to me at like a week ago that he did play with a Ouija board at one time. Yeah, when I he did. was a teenager. I did. I did. You broke a cardinal rule of this podcast. Well, but this is way before the podcast. Before yeah, I, was I say, even knew I, you. Let's I face was a it, teen. It happens. It happens. Yeah, I was a teen. It was me and uh, my boy Stephen Wayne and some girls. It says we were right on the to. box. Good for ages, eight and up. Yeah, I mean, come exactly. on, you know it's exactly. it's it, it, right. Milton Bradley put it out. So uh. yeah, <laughs> and uh, so it was it was the four of us, and we were sitting at a kitchen table in. I believe actually at uh, an apartment uh, at one of his friends um, apartment and we were um, we just you know pulled it out and, and started playing with it and we got some like everyone was like wait are you moving it wait that's no how, you're moving it stop it moving goes. it and that's and no everyone was like denying moving it but it was like going to like intelligible you know uh words and and letters I wonder if Steve Wayne remembers but anyway <laughs> I think it uh yeah, you know what? Ashley Warner just said, I played with one as a teen as well, JT. Thanks, Ashley. It's exactly. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, I didn't ever play with one. When Knock I, it off. I did Well, you were a Ouija board. Yeah, well, I did. Yeah, you, you were. <laughs> I did you candle divination board. when I was a teenager. Yo. <laughs> oh, oh, so, yeah. Down on, on Ouija board. <laughs> Skip right over the board and go straight to the source. Uh. Yeah. So Ashley Werner said, Ouija boards are hard. No, for me, Ellen Etheridge said, I've always thought the concept of Ouija boards was interesting, but after listening to y'all and Two Girls, One Ghost, I've uh, never, I'll never try one. Too scary. Uh, Lauren Brosniak said, I had one that kept coming back even after throwing it away multiple times. That, I have a story of that as what well. What the yeah. heck? That, that happens That is sometimes. not abnormal. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Um, Melissa Ducati um, said, I certainly was summoning shenanigans at eight. (laughs) (laughs) Shenanigans. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Nikki Youngsma said, I did two Ashley sleepover with a bunch of friends. Um, Y'all were out here summoning Captain Howdy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, Maddie, we just have a couple super quick announcements. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. I would say say just first off, if you have not rated us five stars – Stop this and please rate us five stars on whatever you're listening to because it helps so so much. Like Unless us. you're driving, if you're driving, don't don't stop to rate us. Listen and and rate us when you get to a safe yes, place. Yes, and set a reminder. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
But yes, please go ahead and rate us five stars wherever you get your podcasts. They help us out a ton. Yes. Um, also, episode one of Beneath the Cobblestone is out now for the public. Uh, the Parajunkies have already had it, and they already have episode two as well yep. uh, when you're listening to this. So if you listen to episode one and you love it so much, then consider becoming a Parajunkie over I'm on a Patreon. Um, so you can get episode two right now we because it's going to be a while before the public gets it. Oh, yeah. We um, have fun chats on Patreon now, too. Yes. They redesigned Patreon, and it's beautiful, and I love it. Yes. I love it. Patreon's doing some super awesome stuff. They're um, completely redesigning it so that pretty much creators and their listeners or their um, followers can all engage in one spot instead of being spread out amongst a bunch of different platforms. So no need for Discord or anything yeah. like that anymore, which is super cool. And there's eventually going to be feeds where you don't even have to pay to be a part of Patreon um, to see some of those feeds, but there will be aspects that will be reserved only for Parajunkies. I mean, 95% of it will be reserved for only Parajunkies. Exactly. But, yeah. but yeah. yeah, so in the future, though, so uh, definitely consider setting up a Patreon account so that way you can engage with us in that way as well because we're definitely going to be making a lot of exclusive content. One for the yes. junkies that will be paid, um, but also for, you know, just so people can engage with us on that platform because yeah. we're definitely enjoying this. Putting game. all our content under one umbrella would be nice. Yeah, exactly. Really, yeah. It's we're so, so often you're like, well, go over there and listen to this and go over there to watch this and do this. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. As, a, as a podcast and as a brand, we are heavily investing into Patreon because we believe where they are going and they make a lot of sense. Yeah. They and make the most sense. Yeah. The owner um, made a video about all the new updates. So we'll link that below um, just yeah. because oh, it's uh, he goes into it explaining everything it's that crazy. they're going to be doing. It it's crazy. really awesome. Uh, but anywho. Otherwise, though, we want to thank some new para junkies. So we want to thank El Doherty, Mimi, Kirsten Nichols, or Nichols, Laura Sleeper, and Sky J. Thank you guys so much for becoming para junkies. We appreciate you so much. And if you're on the edge of becoming a para junkie, now is a really great time to do so. Um, because when we hit 140 Parajunkies, which we are really close to doing, we are going to be going to Waverly Hills in Kentucky and doing an investigation for the Parajunkies. So definitely consider doing that. It's going to be really awesome. It's a very haunted location, very active, and we're excited to do that eventually. Um, so now is a great time to be a Parajunkie. So that when spooky season of October is over and we start getting assaulted by all the Christmas and uh, wintry decor and um, <laughs> baked goods, then we will still have our spooky moments. <laughs> spooky, spooky. All uh, right, let's talk about some Ouija boards. Yes, already. So anyways, hopping into it. So uh, Ouija boards, also known as spirit boards or talking boards, have a long history of use and have been associated with numerous stories of strange and sometimes negative experiences. Some claim that these boards can connect with the spiritual realm, while skeptics believe that the experiences can be explained by psychological or other natural phenomena, which is not out of the realm of possibility. Um, because here's the thing, is there are some experiences where you do play with people who mess with you and do push the planchette around and things like that, but there are a lot of very unexplainable occurrences that happen with these particular types of boards. Yeah. Um, but here are five uh, commonly cited and famous stories where Ouija boards experience 
reported uh, experiences reportedly went awry. So number five, let us start with the inspiration for The Exorcist. Bum, bum, bum. And if you've never seen The Exorcist, what are you doing? What <laughs> <laughs> True. How are you listening to a paranormal podcast and have not seen The Exorcist? You need to, before the end of October, need to watch The Exorcist. It's, uh, I believe it's on Hulu. Um, So if you have Hulu, definitely go watch it. But that story, yes, it was based on a book. It was. But the book is based Based on on a true story. story. So um, the story that inspired William Peter Blady's novel, The Exorcist, And the subsequent film was based on a 1949 case of a young boy who is typically referred to as Roland Doe. Mm -hmm. And we also did a whole um, uh, deep dive into the possession of Roland Doe. So I'm just giving the synopsis, the uh, cliff notes, if you will, of these particular incidents. But if you want to hear the deep dive into that particular um, exorcism and the possession and all that, uh, go back and listen to that episode. But it is said that the boy's troubles began after he used a Ouija board, which then led to strange occurrences and possession-like symptoms and eventually an exorcism. So the background. In the late 1940s in Cottage City, Maryland, a young boy, uh, Roland Doe or Robbie Manheim, uh, Manheim, um, reportedly began to experience strange and uh, inexplicable phenomena following the death of his beloved aunt, who had introduced him to the Ouija board. So Roland started to hear strange noises, dripping water, marching feet, and scratching sounds from inside the walls of his home. Objects in his presence would move on their own, and religious artifacts seemed to agitate him. His bed would shake, which they did include in The Exorcist, which is honestly such a a frightening scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And unexplained marks appeared on his body, including words that would seem to be scratched into his skin. So Roland's family would eventually seek help from their Lutheran pastor, who recommended a psychiatric evaluation. Uh, which is not uncommon with exorcisms, especially when you're going through the church, um, particularly the Catholic church, because they have to, to be able to be approved for an exorcism, they have to prove without a shadow of a doubt that there is no mental illness present and that this is a true uh, case of demonic possession. Otherwise, they will not take the case because there have been a number of different demonic possession, in air quotes, um, cases where it is just severe mental illness, where people have been killed, they have been seriously injured from these exorcisms and not given proper treatment. Um, So that is not uncommon. Um, So when they revealed that nothing was abnormal, because they did like brain scans on Roland, they did... um, he went to like a ton of different psychiatrists and nothing, nobody could find anything that was like scientifically wrong with him. Um, The family would end up turning to other clergy for assistance. So Roland underwent one exorcism ritual performed by a Catholic priest named Edward Hughes, but the attempt was aborted when the boy allegedly slashed the priest's arm with a bed spring. Whoa. So... 
Then the family traveled to St. Louis, Missouri, where they sought the assistance of several Jesuit priests, including including Father William Bowdern and Father Walter Halloran. And multiple exorcism sessions were held over several weeks. Uh, during these sessions, priests reported witnessing objects flying off shelves, the boy speaking in tongues, his aversion to sacred objects, and more words appearing in red on his skin. And after several sessions, the priests reported that they had successfully driven the demon out, and Roland uh, reportedly went on to live a normal life afterwards, and he named his child, and I mentioned this in the um, uh, exorcism uh, full episode, but you see, he named his child after St. Michael uh, because that was the saint that allegedly drove the entity out of him. Wow. So, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, while church officials never made any official statement on the matter, the priests involved documented their experiences, which later became public. Um, and William Peter Blatty's novel and the subsequent film adaptation brought significant attention to the case, solidifying its place in popular culture. And Roland Doe case remains one of the most well-known alleged demonic possession events in large part due to its influence on pop culture through The Exorcist. Hmm. So don't play with Captain Howdy, um, <laughs> which is, I don't know where they got that name because that's nothing to do with the Roland Doe case. Um, but the reason why he originally brought out the Ouija board is was because he was trying to contact his aunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, which happens a lot with these cases is yeah. that your beloved family member passes away and people who are grieving, they are oftentimes looking for any way to get one last conversation with their loved ones. And so unfortunately when they're given these tools such as Ouija boards where they believe that this is like a telephone to the other side, mm-hmm. darker entities take advantage of that um, trauma and also their vulnerability in those moments. So uh, it's not it's not uncommon at all in the slightest bit. And if you've ever been around somebody who is grieving, um, it people can go through really drastic and obsessive type behaviors. And uh, we had mentioned before that being open to a supernatural. Uh, you know, experience can easily make you a target. Right. And it's, it's so desperately trying to reach out and find a spirit uh, does, you know, just light up an area. And the biggest and strongest entities are going to come and they're going to get there first because they were stronger. And they're going to hold on the tightest because they're stronger. And that is the problem with a Ouija board is that the moment you touch it, you're you're saying, "Hey, I'm open. I'm ready to receive, you know, word from the other side, influence from the other side." And the closest, strongest thing is going to grab on, and it's not going to let go, and it will lie to you. Right. It will tell you whatever you want to hear to keep you on the line. Yep. It will tell you it's your grandmother. It will tell you it's Elvis. It will tell you whatever. And because it keeps you engaged and it keeps you uh, coming back to it. And that is such a common story because grief, grief amplifies our sensitivity. Our sensitivity to, well, anything, really, any stimulus. <laughs> uh, grief amplifies it. 
And so, you know, being uh, being of grief, it may it, it's not necessarily even the board as much as it is your intent and your deep, deep desire to engage. And that's also another thing mm-hmm. is uh, you hear a lot of these Ouija boards, and a lot of the Ouija boards that go wrong deal with younger people. The fact that they're young, and we've talked about children being beacons to spirits to begin with. And then you add this element of I'm going through a ritual, which is what you're doing with a Ouija board. It's a ritual in which I am adhering to certain rules, and all those guidelines become very solidified for spiritual interaction because the Ouija board entered into you know, public consciousness as this devil board, witch board. It is the, this thing that, that means that there is a, a line of thought solidified by society that this is a tool for this purpose, which came first. The idea that this is what happens or it happening. The fact that we solidified it as, as, as something that happens gives it credence, gives it strength, gives it power, and, all, and you are likely to draw some, you know, bad mojo your Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Um, so the next one is referred to as the possession in Mexico. Mm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So in 2014, three Americans in the village of San Juan, um, Mexico, allegedly became possessed after playing with a Ouija board. So these three American cousins, Alexandra Huerta, who was 22, Sergio Huerta, who was 23, and Fernando Cuevas, um, who was 18, were staying in San Juan, uh, excuse me if I absolutely butcher this name, Talcontenco. Talcontenco. Okay. Um, They decided to use a Ouija board in an attempt to communicate with spirits, just for fun. Happens. You know, so the initial um, play, if you will. So after playing with the Ouija board, the three started displaying highly unusual and distressing symptoms. Alexandra reported, uh, reportedly began to growl while her relatives reported seeing hallucinations. Uh, the three of them exhibited trance-like states and spasmodic r- movements. Yeah. And um, these symptoms and reactions, the trio physical and um, mental states started to deteriorate rapidly. They exhibited blindness, deafness, hallucinations, and dilated pupils, all three of them. Whoa. Good Lord. Yeah. I've never heard of this. Have I you know. ever heard of this, Chris? Nope. It's a very, Whoa. yeah, it's kind of a lesser known Were they eating case. Tide Pods? Is that what was happening? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know those demonic Tide Pods? <laughs> I'm telling you. Because um, that all sounds like uh, certain poisons will do that to you. Right. So local news sources reported that Alexandra was restrained to prevent herself from hurting um, herself. While her relatives were said to have presented temporary states of blindness and deafness interspersed uh, with periods where they could see and hear but would hallucinate. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So the family's response, um, concerned by these sudden and bizarre changes, the family believed that they were under the influence of some supernatural force due to the Ouija session. In many cultures, Ouija boards are considered tools that can open doors to the spirit world, as you know, and any negative outcomes from a session can be seen as a result of malevolent forces or entities. And based on this belief, the family first called local religious authorities to perform an exorcism. Uh, There was medical intervention, so when the exorcism did not bring relief, the family sought medical help. 
Video footage emerged showing the three individuals in distress tied down to hospital beds, seemingly in an agitated state. Oh. Doctors assessed them and suggested the possibility that they might have consumed sus- substances that could lead to the symptoms they exhibited. However, no conclusive evidence was reported about the exact cause of their states. The incident quickly gained traction in both local and international media, mainly because of the alarming footage and the connection to a Ouija board session. It sparked discussions about the dangers of dabbling in this type of divination and also brought forth skeptics who believe that they were, there were explanations for the events. Um, reports following the immediate aftermath of the incident uh, were limited. It's unclear what long-term effects, if any, the trio experienced, and events remained a, remains a blend of cultural beliefs, potential medical conditions or influences, and the global fascination with the paranormal. Dang. So that's the thing, is before the Ouija board session, uh, allegedly they were very healthy, you know, uh, early 20-year-olds, and... Um, there isn't really any clear sign that they should have, you know, had any sort of bizarre changes like that. And um, there wasn't really any documentation of what happened to them afterwards. So, um, yeah, I was just about to say, like, what happened to them? Are they okay? I don't know. There's the not heck? a lot of documentation on Ooh, that. No. Do you think the, the Catholic Church, like, covered it up? <laughs> Like because they died or something? Maybe. I mean, there could I have mean, been wild. malpractice. What's, what's strange is that the been. the extended family seemed to suffer the same symptoms. Which right. you know, it's like was the well water poisoned? Was you know, was there you know some kind of you know uh, substance or or pollution or you know toxin? Um, you know, there's a lot of people who are pointing to. Uh, a type of rye mold that might have been responsible for like the Salem witch trial. Oh, I, br- I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. the rye mold. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and it's like, could it be something along those natures? Because that is significant. The amount of damage, yeah, right. to the amount of people. Uh, because oftentimes, when you hear of of Ouija board uh, hijinks, um, it focuses on one person. You know, it, right? It, it is it is about like a, a spirit because uh, a single entity. Having that much sway over multiple people—that's a very powerful entity. If oh, it's yeah. if it's if it's damaging a swath of people, swath, uh, and, and especially given like just um, the point of contact being uh, these isolated three, and then it, it extended to the family, yeah. right? Um, that is pretty abnormal in, in in my experience, or you know, in the stories that I know of. Uh, however. Uh, Compelling, yeah, compelling right. nonetheless. Uh, that's uh, I would love to 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 find out if there are any follow ups. Right. Surely there must well, be I by mean, now. And if not, perhaps this podcast will bring about a new interest in it. <laughs> right. Well, this only happened in 2014. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. So it's well, you then, know, it's yeah, yeah. I would I would think that there would be more to it um, because that is also happening right in the height of uh, you know a media. Um, fascination with the paranormal mm-hmm. you know with a, a, a huge resurgence of, of of people focusing on it so i would be interested if anybody out there knows anything yeah send yeah. it in absolutely that's wild yeah it's a um it, it's a bizarre case which it, even though it's a very short synopsis of what if all is out there it's still just 
fascinating, especially because of the fact that they had blindness and deafness, and then they would suddenly regain those abilities, but only to hallucinate and then go right back into it. Just weird, weird type Very behavior. strange. Very strange. Very peculiar. Well, the next one, number three, is one that uh, y'all are probably familiar with. And also, we have done a deep dive into this one. So if you want to know more about this particular incident, go and listen to this episode. But this one is referred to as the Zozo phenomena. Yeah. Yeah. Zozo. Yes. JT was very into the Zozo thing. Was I? Yeah. Okay. We've done a lot. Yeah. I'm freaking lost right now. Yeah. Well, you know how JT is with his demons and things like that. But I do um, love a demon. So many Ouija board users have claimed to come in contact with an entity called Zozo. Uh, encounters with this entity are often described as negative, leading to feelings of dread, physical harm, or even possession. Uh, now there is some name variations with Zozo. So Zozo is most commonly the name that is reported, but there are variations like Zaza, Mama, Oz, Zo, and Abacus um, have all been associated with this entity. Now, the characteristics of the encounters, uh, so interactions with Zozo often start off benign or neutral, but can quickly turn negative. Users have reported rapid figure eight movements of the planchette or the um, uh, moving between the letters Z and O repetitively. Others mention receiving threatening messages, experiencing bad luck after the encounter, or feeling a dark presence. Now, I'm going to list you some of the encounters that people have had with Zozo. Um, so the first one is the Darren Evans encounter. Uh, so one of the most publicized stories about Zozo comes from Darren Evans, who has recounted his experience in various media outlets and in, on his blog. And according to Evans, his first contact with Zozo occurred in 2008 when using a Ouija board. The interaction started innocuously but grew increasingly menacing. Evans claims that Zozo tormented his family, caused physical harm, and even predicted the death of a family pet. Dang. Mm -hmm. And the alleged hauntings escalated to the point where he sought the help of religious leaders and paranormal experts. Uh, there is also the I Am Zozo film. And based <laughs> on reporting... I Am Zozo film? Yeah. Well, the, the film is called I Am Zozo. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, based on reported real events, this 2012 horror film centers around a group of friends who encounter Zozo during a Ouija board session on Halloween night. And as the story unfolds, the entity's malevolent nature becomes evident, leading to terrifying events. Uh, there's also a slew of internet forums and things like that mm -hmm. that have people's encounters. Uh, many individuals have taken to online platforms to share their personal experiences with Zozo. Common threads in these accounts include the rapid movement of the planchette spelling out Z-O-Z-O, a shift in the atmosphere once Zozo identifies itself, and subsequent misfortunes or negative experiences after the session. And then the last one is, Rose, is Rose's story. And shared on a paranormal forum, a woman named Rose recounted her daughter's encounter with Zozo after using a Ouija board her daughter became increasingly withdrawn and began to exhibit unusual behavior. One night, Rose found her daughter scribbling the name Zozo repeatedly in a notebook, and the daughter had no memory of doing this and exhibited behavior changes and health issues for weeks afterwards. Wow. 
So uh, a frequent theme in Zozo's stories is that the entity's penchant for causing harm or predicting tragic events. Uh, for example, some users reported Zozo making threats against them or their loved ones or foreseeing accidents and um, illnesses. So that's really the big thing. And more than likely to me, what that sounds like is that Zozo, whatever that the real name might be, because I don't believe his actual name is that. I think that's the the guys, if you will. Um, it sounds like a demonic, and again, I'm using demonic as a catch-all term here, but uh, a malevolent type entity that has claimed the uh, the Ouija board land, if you will. Sure. Um, because something that when you are looking into demonic type forces and things, uh, they usually had have jobs associated with each of them. So, you know, you've got different entities. So you've got plague entities. You've got illness entities. You've got um, all sorts of different demons that do different things to cause mayhem, chaos, whatever it be. And it sounds like old Zozo here has said, I'm going to be the Ouija board demon. And if you're just one of the unlucky people that happen to stumble across him or it, if you will, um, it sounds like it's just not a great thing to um, to deal with because you're going to have a hard time getting past the misfortunes that are going to be coming your way. Yeah. Um, because there are so many encounters with this entity. That's just immediately where my brain goes with it, at yeah, least. Yeah, it's fascinating because it you have that, that construct, again, of which came first, the story or the event. Um, but when something gets so widespread and it's like, where would they have even heard the Zozo story to capitalize on it? You know, uh, when you have multiple people having this experience, you know, is it an internet craze that people stumble upon it and then, you know, bring it to their Ouija board session? Is it something that, you know, just became a uh, urban legend that, that got reinforced like Slenderman kind of situation? Um, and then there's, there's the Zozo itself. You know, when you start looking at, you know, is it Zorastan? Is that what we're doing? Is, is, it, right. is it some kind of, 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 is it Asmodeus, Asmo, Asmodeus? You know, are we looking at a, a simplification of demonic names? Is it a, um, or is it just the, 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 the nature of a spirit can, you know, manipulate things and Zozo is just an easy back and forth? Um, you know, no one knows, because uh, if you turn uh, a Z sideways, then it's no. Mm. No, 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 no. It might be saying oh. no. Mm. Um, you know, there's plenty of, of questions to be asked right. about yeah. what, are, what, what is happening here. But the fact that there's enough stories about it and there's enough uh, interest about it, that becomes the, the, the conversation. It's like, oh, you know, um, if enough people are aware of it, it can absolutely have an adverse effect on you. So, uh, yeah, be, be very mindful when, when going into any situation that a lot of the times these stories are, are, are so disconnected that when we draw the lines between them, we're reinforcing them. And, um, yeah, if you want to hear more about the Zozo craze and things like that uh go back and watch that episode yeah. because we did a very deep dive into zozo and all of that jazz so um again these are the overviews if you will okay um 
So number two is called the Ouija board trial. The Ouija board trial? Yes. Okay. In 1994, Stephen Young was convicted of the double murder of a couple in the UK. Uh, so Stephen Young was an insurance broker and was charged with the 1993 murders of Harry and Nicola Fuller in Wadhurst, East Sussex. Uh, the Fullers were found shot to death in their cottage. So during Stephen Young's trial, evidence was presented suggesting that he had financial motives to kill the Fullers as he was in debt and allegedly believed that he could benefit from Harry Fuller's death. But after a lengthy trial, the jury retired to a hotel for the night before delivering their verdict. And while there, it emerged that four of the jurors had made a makeshift Ouija board to contact the spirit of the murdered victims. That is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I want that movie. <laughs> right. They they're like we want to make sure that we are getting him. Why don't why doesn't this happen in every murder case? Right. Just pull out the Ouija board the night before and just be like just to make sure. Let's try to contact these dead people to get their intake. That might need to become a uh like a a qualifying question when when choosing a jury. Right. It's like, are you going to use a Ouija board to contact the dead? To, um, to justify <laughs> to, your verdict? To, to support your verdict? And anyway. so, uh, so they claimed that the board spelled out the word vote guilty tomorrow, which influenced their decision-making process. This is four members of this jury, which, I, I mean, if they were already going to vote guilty for him anyways yeah. i mean sure. like i guess that's that's cool like whatever um but it does take a little bit of the pressure off of you to, to right. suggest that a spirit uh, you know had told you that you should do that um so when this unconventional method came to light it was seen as a breach of the jury's responsibility to deliver a verdict based solely on evidence presented in court <laughs> <laughs> i mean Technically, that's a strong appeal right there. I mean, technically, yeah, it is. But uh, the Ouija board incident led to a successful appeal by Stephen Young on the grounds of jury misconduct. At the re- at the retrial in 1995, Young was once again found guilty of the murder. So he obviously did it, but right, yeah. still. But he didn't want to go down like that. He's like, I don't want. <laughs> he's like, I thought I got rid of those people. <laughs> 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 they don't get a say. It's, and uh, was sentenced to life imprisonment. Um, Now, the incident raised serious questions about the jury's decision-making process (laughs) and the influence of outsized factors on verdicts and the sanctity of the jury's deliberation process. It served as a unique example of how external and superstitious beliefs could potentially compromise the integrity of a trial. Uh, but I just find that endlessly fascinating. That is very fascinating. That's, That's incredible. And, you know... When you think about deliberating on something that is going to send a, a person away for the rest of their life, when you're when you're basically taking a life away from someone, that pressure can be very you know intense, and right. so you could you could you could see where it's like wanting relief from the the decision making process so that doesn't weigh so heavily on you. Um, but also, uh, if I were a ghost and I got a call on a Ouija board to you know answer the question, I'd be like, yeah, I'm well, guilty. You know, yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah. And just well guilty. I don't know. The uh, but also it's like they said vote. It said vote guilty tomorrow. That is a long sentence I for know. a Ouija board. Spelling that out vote is just take yeah. forever. 
Right. It's like, I, I feel like it partially would have been more believable if the spirit just said guilty. guilty. Or yes. You know? yeah. Yes. You know. Is he guilty? Yes. Yes. All right, let's go. Great. Thank you. But I Ashley, Ashley Warner said, I kind of love that. Uh, Maria said, they're just being thorough. <laughs> 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 she said, I love tarot. It's by far my favorite. Um, and Ashley said, I feel like if I was in a jury, I would have to consult the tarot at the very least. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Lauren, don't tell anybody if you're going to do this. Yeah. I'm sorry. You pulled the death card. Um, ah. Ah. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Lauren Brezniak said, I thought I heard somewhere that the figure eight slash infinity sign was a way to unlock the board as well. That was just a, uh, that was a interesting. That yes. A, as a matter of fact, point. that yeah. is. Uh, when you're beginning, you're supposed to be moving in a figure eight. Right. Like before you ask any question, before you do anything else, you're, it's 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 an activation motion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Melissa, uh, uh, M- Melissa Ducati said, uh, to convince all jurors to get on board is what tickles me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's but like, that's wh- funny. You do you imagine that they were in the deliberation room going, "Listen, guys, we got on the widget board last night." Right. And, and they're all like, "You did what? You did what?" <laughs> Especially because it's like British, right. so they're like, "I'm sorry, what did you say? Did <laughs> you get on the Ouija board? No, really? No, perhaps. You know, I, I, I would love to see that. Right. I'd like to see twelve angry men in a British uh, <laughs> jury room, <laughs> where four of them are like, "Oh no, yes, we got on the Ouija board, and you know what it said? Vote guilty tomorrow." That'd be a good skit. That's a lot of letters. It is. It is a lot of letters. I love that. That's honestly, we should make that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, So the last one, number one, is the murder of Brian Roach. Whoa, Mm -hmm. Brian Roach. So, do you know this one? You look like you do. Yes. So in 2001, a woman named Carol Sue Elvacker. Um, reportedly used a Ouija board with her daughter and grandchildren. And following the, se- the session, Elle Vackard believed the board had told her to kill her son-in-law, Brian Roach. Personally, I think she just didn't like him very much and said, Oh, uh, ah. you know, in-laws. You know, that's a monster-in-law. That's a monster-in-law <laughs> for yeah. sure. With a demon-in-law. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so the background, Brian Roach was a former city councilman of Menco Oklahoma, and he was well-liked and described as a pillar of his community. He also ran a grocery store and had fostered children in addition to his own. Just to make it even worse, he was a nice guy. (laughs) 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 And so, the incident. uh, In February of 2001, Carol Sue L. Vacker, Roach's 53-year-old mother-in-law, was playing with a Ouija board along with her daughter, Tammy Roach, Brian's wife, and her granddaughters, age 10 and 15. You know, those family Ouija board sessions. It's sold in the game section. (laughs) It, it's true. It is. Family fun for all ages. <laughs> Even I mean, they, after death. They were all over eight. So, I mean. It, yeah, there you go. So, after the session, Elvacker reportedly believed that the Ouija board had informed her that Brian Roach was evil and needed to be killed. Oof. And so, following this revelation, Elvacker went to Roach's bedroom and stabbed him repeatedly while he was asleep. Oh, Lord. Which, mind you, that takes a lot of hate to yes. kill in that type yes. of manner. Yes. Which makes me believe that she was holding. She was harboring something. Yeah. yeah. 
like and she was using this as justification um because that's very up close and personal uh but anywho so uh she ultimately killed him and after the murder she attempted to kill her daughter tammy and her two granddaughters by stabbing them she was unsuccessful through t- uh those tammy did sustain in- injuries Elvacker then fled the scene and tried to end her own life by driving her car into a road sign. Oh boy. When the car didn't crash as she intended, she left the vehicle and tried to jump into traffic in hopes of being hit, but was unsuccessful. Sounds like the demon was not on your side, Sue. Um, <laughs> Sue. Carol Sue. <laughs> Don't do what the board tells you. <laughs> right. That's like number one rule. <laughs> Don't listen to it. But anyways... Uh, so Carol Sue Elvacker was found not mentally competent to stand trial. What? Right. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's terrible. Right. So she was diagnosed with dementia and other. Oh. She was fifty-three though. That's a little early for dementia, isn't it? There's all kinds of causes <laughs> for dementia. Yeah. I guess. But other mental issues as well, which might have influenced her violent behavior that night. She was committed to a psychi- uh, psychiatric facility. And the events stirred a lot of media attention and debate on the dangers or perceived dangers of dabbling into Ouija boards. Um, many, however, argue that it was Elvacker's pre-existing mental health condition rather than the Ouija board itself that led to the tragic event. And it's neither here nor there, in my opinion, because she could have been very mentally unstable, and it definitely sounds like she was mentally unwell. Um but it's not unheard of that people dabble in Ouija boards and uh, get taken advantage of mm-hmm. when they are in weakened mind states, especially if she is that depleted where, you know, she's open to trying to murder her entire family and then throw herself into traffic. So, And it's worth noting that there's no mention of the other family members witnessing the board right. writing out, you know, your son-in-law is evil, he has to be killed, um, which kind of tilts it into almost schizophrenia that, you know, if she thought the board was talking to her and it was giving her commands, um, it does kind of fit closer in that realm. Um, and that is, you know, it's very... That's uh, a terribly tragic story, mm-hmm. you know, to start with. And then it, it comes down to, well, um, what are the goals of the person utilizing these tools? Oftentimes grief uh, drives people to it. Sometimes it's pure boredom that <laughs> drives people to it. Uh, and sometimes it is uh, some form of, of validation for right. dark thoughts. Yeah. Like you're having dark thoughts, you're having dark sensations, you're having dark feelings. You're going to turn to a tool that may give you the the answer to your darkness, to your own personal darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can say it was the, the board and not you. Right, just like Ronnie from Amityville Horror. Right. Yeah, he said the TV told him to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, and I've it happens. Know, I've known several people with schizophrenia who have who have to draw very strong lines around uh i had a uh i'll call him a friend who um who believed that tori spelling uh from uh 90210 talked to him all the time through his through the tv and he had to 
like come to grips with the notion that Tor Spelling was not talking to him. Right. And it and but it, to him it was it was it was more like ignoring something very real. You know, something he 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 did not have like a you know, I know this isn't real. It was a I'm going to ignore Tori Spelling. She's not speaking to me. Wow. Yeah, it's um not, nevertheless, uh, whether it is fully mental health, which obviously definitely not denying that that is a part of that case. Um, it's it's still a fascinating situation whenever that happens with Ouija boards and things like that. And I guess the best rule of thumb is if you do play with a Ouija board, which we are highly advising mm-hmm. against. Please it, don't. If you do, though. Don't do anything or listen to anything that it tells you because that is not sound advice. <laughs> and never do it alone. That is true. And a lot of people will say, don't do it alone because you're susceptible to, uh, to possession. You're susceptible to, you know, uh, uh, influence. Um, but the real truth of the matter is if you do it alone, you don't have that one safety of believing the other person's pushing the, <laughs> the, the planchette. Right. You know, if you were doing it alone – you don't have the ability to suggest that someone else might be messing with you. Um, if you do it with other people, no matter what the message is, you could always reason out that one of the other people was forcing the planchette. Uh, if you're doing it alone, then you are more susceptible to believe whatever messages might come through. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed this top five. And if you have a list of things that you would like us to discuss. We do love our lists. We do like a list. A good list. So if you uh, have a topic you want us to discuss in a list form, send it over our way. Or if you have ghost mail that you would like to send to us, send it to ghostmail at hauntedcitypodcast.com. Or questions. Yeah, questions. Yeah, all the things. So, uh, But with that, though, y'all. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all.